All right. For the second time on this podcast, it's Clint Sterner. It's good to see you, man. How you been, Clint? Been good, man. Been good. Had a had a, an eventful couple of days, man. Whether it's training in Northwest Arkansas, down through Little Rock, getting my guys trained up, my quarterbacks, or uh, running out of gas yesterday on the way oh, back to uh, the big city here in Houston. That's a hell of a story. I want all of you listening right now to go to Clint's Twitter page, which is at Clint Sterner. At Clint Sterner. And check it out. It's fascinating. It's entertaining. And it's going to, you know what, it restores your faith in humanity a little bit, too. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, you know, I was I was very thankful. Of course, I've done that multiple times. So I, there's been times when I get stuck on the road and I need to be somewhere. And I've, it's, an, it's an hour later. I'm still looking for help. Well, this time it was bang, bang. It was it was pretty cool. It was good to know that there's good people out there that will, uh, I mean, I, I could have been okay. Yeah. I could have been all right. Wasn't concerned about my health or anything. Right, right. But it's good to know that uh, there's people out there that will say, you know what, whatever I'm doing is not that important. I'm going to go help this young fella out real quick. That was nice. That was nice. But a little bit of advice when it gets to a quarter tank. Yeah, that's when you should do it, not when it gets to the light. Well, when that old when that old signal sounds, man, when it yeah. dings on you, that's a bad thing. In 2019, every car has a very loud ding, probably multiple <laughs> dings. So there's there's no reason to, to run out of gas. But uh, I got a pretty good excuse, and it was. But it's pretty entertaining, like you said. Y'all check it out on whether it's Instagram or or Twitter, man. Clint Sterner at Clint Sterner is where it's at. No doubt. And for those of you who don't know who Clint is, just make make sure, because a lot of different people are listening, here's the Reader's Digest version. Clint's on Sports Radio 610 these days. He played quarterback in the NFL for a bit with the Dallas Cowboys. He played internationally in NFL Europe. Before that, Arkansas Razorback legend in the late 90s. And before that, Baytown Lee legend in the mid-90s. It's good to have you in, man. It's been fun talking with you. Let's talk a little Texans before we get back into what you did. Okay. Lots of uh, craziness going on at the top levels of the organization as far as people from the outside judging. How does that, though, affect what the players and the coaches are doing and will do with regards to Bill O'Brien and with regards to the rest of the guys on the 53-man and really right now the 90-man roster? I don't believe – I mean, obviously those are critical positions and, and, yeah. and critical things that this organization has to get figured out. But when you start talking about the players – and the coaches as just that, as players and coaches, I don't believe it affects them much at all. I mean, the, the reason these guys are elite in the world that they, they live in, in the elite world that they live in, is because they have a unique ability to compartmentalize, whether it's personal life. Uh, so many times we hear about players, unfortunately, most of the time it's negative stuff off the field, and they come out and they rush for 100, or they throw for 300, or they catch two touchdowns in 150 yards, and people wonder how you do that with that kind of distraction. It's not a distraction. I mean, whether it's the organization going through some change and Bill O'Brien taking the field as a coach, I guarantee you if you talk to Bill O'Brien, the only time in the last, I don't know, what's it been, a month, six weeks, however long since they had the change into the guard at GM, I guarantee you the most relaxed he's been, the most at ease he's been, is during OTAs when he gets to take the field with that team for two hours. Yeah, that's that's what those guys are wired to do. That's what they can't wait to do, and they compartmentalize better than anybody on the planet relative to being able to just forget about all the negative stuff, forget about all the distractions, and let's go to work for two hours. So these guys don't think this stuff's affecting them on the field at all. Well, it seems natural. Let's think about it. Let's, let's put it in your terms. Whatever was going on in your life personally, I'm guessing you were not thinking of, of it 
when you're under center and you look over and you see, oh, oh there's Michael Strahan across the line, yeah. you're not worried about any of that other stuff. You're focused on, A, not getting killed, but really, B, moving the offense and getting things going, aren't you? Well, there's so there's so many. I mean, it's such a – I don't want to use the word cutthroat, but it's such a it's, – it's an occupation to where if you let distraction creep in, you're then, then you're gone. Yeah. I mean, it's just not going to last long. And, and unfortunately, usually if you let it happen once, if, if it starts – Creeping in, it usually happens more than once. If you don't have that crazy, just uncanny, amazing ability to compartmentalize, then you're going to struggle. That's one thing that I did very, very well. I mean, the, the things that I did well that kept me in the league were all the, the intangible type stuff. You sure. know, I, I got on the field and I was able to, at the end of the preseason, Coach said, well, Sterner had eight drives and six of them ended in points. Well, the other guy's a lot better. Well, he had one drive that ended in points. And Sterner didn't have any distractions off the field. This guy's got some issues yeah. with his family in Indianapolis. And it's just there's so many different things that can creep in if you let it. And these guys here, definitely when you're talking about Bill O'Brien, I mean, he's a professional. I mean, he's been in the business forever. He probably works daily on making sure his ability to compartmentalize stays strong. Sure. And so when you're talking about Bill O'Brien and the organization, I think it's in good hands. I don't worry about the players at all, and I dang sure don't worry about Bill O'Brien's off-the-field issues with the organization. Again, whether it's owner, general manager, coaching staff changes, regardless of what it is, I do not worry about Bill O'Brien at all as he steps on the field to coach. Now, whether it works out great or not this year, I don't know. Yeah, But I'm not going to bang on the head coach of the Texans and say that he's distracted or he's not ready or he can't get the job done because of something going on in the front office. Right. He's His ability, again, to compartmentalize is just really special. All right, let's switch gears. Last time you and I talked like this, I think it was before OTAs really got going, before yep. the minicamp really got going. You were out there. You saw some things. Who stood out to you the most during your time? when you were inside the bubble, when you were out on the fields? I think Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I mean, and that's an easy question. That's an easy answer but for it's, me, there's, but it's the truth. A, it's a complicated answer, yeah. too. Well, when, look, when you look at it, just, I mean, how, what direction you want me to take it from? Look, from last year, last year this time he was rehabbing. He yeah. wasn't even out there. And so now he's out there. Clearly, it's blatantly obvious. I said this a year ago. I want to see – I want to go to practice, and I want to see Deshaun Watson take over a team the way that, that I, I knew immediately when I walked on the practice field with the Cowboys back in 2000 and 2001 that it was Troy team yeah that was Troy Eggman's team there wasn't no doubt about it the coaching staff knew it the players knew it the rookies knew it the vets knew it I saw that from Deshaun Watson and then secondly physically his ability to stretch the field he's clearly unbelievably talented one of the top 10 in the league and I think that's putting a lot of you could probably squeeze it in the top eight in the league uh, as far as throwing the football yeah but his ability to stretch the field when I'm evaluating quarterbacks like there's a lot of aspects but when you talk about a guy's ability to drive the football down the field I'm not talking about the deep ball I'm not talking about the underneath stuff I'm talking about the mid-range game to Jordan Thomas the over-the-middle throws to Jordan Thomas, the back shoulders to Hopkins. I mean, some of the deep crossing routes to Fuller or Hopkins, whoever's out there. His ability to do that at a high level and be extremely accurate with it is – I knew it was it was special, but it's even more impressive when you see it in person. And so he, he's got to be the one that stood out for me. From a rookie standpoint, it's hard to really judge the offensive line when you're watching practice. Yeah, but I think Kyle, especially in the May practices. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I, I want to see – I didn't see a ton of busts, you know, and, and in, in, the, in these practices there, it's a lot about communication, passing stuff off. They worked extensively on that. The little bit of time that we saw that you could tell the offensive line and even some of the team drills were, were built around blitz-type schemes so that the offensive line would have to have to communicate and adjust on the fly. Even though the guys weren't coming hard, they, they, were, they had to adjust and communicate. It's still hard to tell whether these guys – are, are, are going to be worth the flip or not. I mean, Drew, you know, I mean, it, it's like a boxer. Yeah. He can be built like a brick outhouse, and he can get it, he can be as powerful as you want, as quick as you want, and have the best feet and the best stamina 
and he gets in there and he gets hit in the nose one time by Mike Tyson and falls, you know, falls, it folds up like a cheap chair. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Or it's this guy of, that just won the heavyweight title. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that, right? I mean, so <laughs> you, you just don't – you never know about offensive linemen. And, and I know that's, that's, a, that's a, a cheap way to get out of that, but it's, it's the truth. I mean, that, when they put helmets on and, they, and that D lineman starts talking trash and firing off the ball and putting the crown of his helmet in his chin and he's got to anchor down and, and fight, that, that's when you know what these guys are about. Yeah. So it's hard to tell those guys. One of the young guys that really stood out to me was Kahali Waring. I know you guys have talked to him, talked about him at length, rightfully so. But I always have question marks when a guy hadn't played a lot of football. Right. I always have. There's always, especially a position like that that he's got to put his hand in the dirt and get physical. He's got to be able to stand up, run routes, and, and you got to be smart at that position too because you're you part, to do a lot. part skill position guy, part yeah. lineman. So there's a lot of different responsibilities. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. And so you know, and then also then from a skill set standpoint, you wonder. It's one thing to run well and be built well. Uh, there's a lot of guys walking the streets right now that that run well and, and look good. You know, there's a yeah. bunch of those guys. Hey, you're looking at one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I just took the words out of my mouth. Um, but you know, when you watch him, he's got he plays with a lot of twitch. It's he, he he understands changing speeds and bursting in and out of cuts and using those things to create separation. When to use them, and it's not something that he's been taught. It's just something that he naturally has. So it's instincts, and so his instincts are, were really special, as far as what I could tell at an OTA camp. That he, he really, really stood out. All right, let's switch gears now. Let's go back about just under 20 years. You're a young guy right out of college, and you're getting paid to do your job in a foreign country. What was NFL Europe like? Well, you take, add to that, I mean, I was a South Texas guy, and I had left the state of Texas one time in my life before, I guess before I started going on. I went on a couple of recruiting trips, but it was like LSU, yeah, um, Nashville. I'd never left this four or five state region in my life. You know, I would call it the, the the deep south. You know, I'd never left that Arkansas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, obviously, Louisiana. And I'd gone on a family trip. We drove over to Mobile, Alabama one time. We got there, and there was the tide had come up and gone back down, and there were jellyfish everywhere. I was like, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> Literally, there was jellyfish everywhere all over the front yards of these beautiful homes that were on the on the uh, gulf. You couldn't step on them because they'd sting your feet, so it was a hell of a trip. But anyway, you know, add that to the mix. And so when I get sent over there, I'm nervous. What year is this again? 2000. So, so you just – I played with the Cowboys for a year in the offseason. The way that works is the team had, was required to send five guys over there that was on their roster. Right. And then they had to pick up guys off the streets and, and sign them to the offseason roster and send them over. But you had A players. The league was made up of most A – was mostly there for A players. They would send their five guys over. And half the teams in the league would actually use it. The other half didn't want it to be around. So it was a little bit of a battle from an ownership standpoint. But from a player's standpoint, it was it was a lot of fun, man. I, we go to Tampa Bay for three weeks for training camp. It was a really cool setup. They, yeah. they put us up. They feed us, obviously. You can go to worse places in the States. Yeah, no that's doubt. That's a nice – that's a fun place. And, and we were in St. Pete, too. So yeah. was, we were right on the water. I mean, one team one team was actually on the beach. We were kind of – we were on the, the opposite, like an, on, a, on a bay, on an inlet, and in, in the inland side of it. And this is um, your – all of you guys, but all six teams. But go they to broke Europe. you up by your team, right? All, all six teams go to Tampa for training camp, and and each team had a team hotel, right, in a different part of Tampa, Clearwater, that that whole region there. Were and, there other teams? Like, so it's, you had a few Cowboys teammates, but weren't there some other NFL teams that had? Yeah, guys yeah. On their, so on your had, roster, yeah. So we had Green Bay. It was Cowboys, Green Bay, Denver. God, the Redskins. That had to be kind of weird. 
Yeah, well, no, nah, because I mean, we all had the same uniform on, and we look, we were yeah. all fighting to get a job. That nobody was coming over to Europe that had made two million dollars a year before. Yeah, I mean, yeah. everybody coming over there was minimum or, or trying to get a, trying to get a, a jersey essentially. So we had little stickers on the back of our helmet, you know, that that told what team you were with. Okay, but man, it was cool, man. I I went over there. We went to Scotland, and Scotland is is a tough, tough place to live. I enjoyed it. I wasn't really a big Braveheart guy, <laughs> you know. So I got into Braveheart. I, I watched the movie. I traveled the, the countryside. Saw the castles are really cool i could have done all of that in about a week or two yeah and come back to the states but i had to stay there for three months and Ooh. so the weather was awful it was it would rain it literally the first they told us about this weather issue and literally the first practice we practiced at a soccer facility right soccer's real big over there so the facilities weren't bad but we get there and we're walking out to the field and i'm like we get to the practice field and it's it's the field was built it's like they took a built a big hill and cut a hundred yard top off of it you hmm. know so you had a hundred yard your field was lifted like 10 or 12 feet off the ground on, on this hill. It's like, what the hell is this? Why are we practicing on a hill? And they said, well, because it rains so much and, and the, the ground is so saturated that it, they have to lift it to keep it, you know, the field from really just be t- tearing up essentially. And so we go to practice, man, and it rains, it sleets, and it sunshines all in, the same, in, in a two-hour span. And I thought right then, boy, this is going to be a hell of a three months now. <laughs> this is going to be a hell of a run here, boys. Buckle up. So, but yeah, I mean, it, I, what, looked, were you, what were you doing when you were not doing football stuff? Well, we were in a team hotel, so it's actually like a a big. I mean, I, I was like not a in dorm? A, I was not in a fraternity. Yeah, like a dorm. You yeah. know, I mean, we you had you get really close to the guys that you played over there with because some of them that are married, they're away from their wives. I mean, everybody's away from family. It's all you got. It truly yeah. is a situation where it's all you got, and so. You make the best of it. Thing was, a lot of guys are video were video game guys, so they loved it. They just hold up in their room and play video games all day. I'm not a video game guy, so right. I was, I was always out running the streets, going find, trying to find a, a good restaurant or trying to go to a soccer game or, or just out cutting up somewhere. We had a casino across the street, underground nice. casino across the street. I spent way too much time in there and way too much of my uh, weekly my weekly check in there, but uh, but no, nah, man, it, it was good. I it, it, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Looking back, it's one of those things where I never would have went to Scotland. Yeah, and, and not not to mention when you're in Scotland, when you, you know we played in Barcelona, Spain. You played in uh, Berlin, Germany, Dusseldorf, Germany, mm-hmm. and so I mean you, you know you played in all these different. Do you have time to see Cologne, any of those places? Germany. Yeah, you- yeah, they took us. So, so when we traveled, this is cool. When you traveled, we would usually travel. When I was in Scotland, we traveled by plane because it was an yeah. island, obviously. But when we when I was in Amsterdam a few years later, the Dolphins sent me to Amsterdam. We actually did everything by train. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it was really cool that you would tr- you would travel out a day in advance and you'd leave the day after. So you'd actually have a day to hang out after the game. You knew, hey man, let your hair. That's really the only time to let your hair down a little bit. Wow. And and the cool thing was was you like we'd be in Berlin. And I'd have four dudes that I played college ball with that were with other NFL teams that were with the Berlin team. Right. And so I could, after the game, we could hang at, at the coolest bar in Berlin because we usually had the sponsorships with the league and the team mm-hmm. and catch up with everybody. If your family came over, it was it was a great time to travel and see the city. I remember seeing the Berlin Wall for the first time. What you was know, that like? I, I, well, the crazy thing is, as Americans, you, we study it growing up, and you know what it is from the day I can remember in elementary is talking about, you know, the Berlin Wall sure. and just general studies. So it's made up to be this, you think in your in your mind, it's separated two countries, or it's separated a country in half, right? Like two mm-hmm. countries, essentially. In your mind, you think it's just this huge wall. In reality, I've seen bigger wall. I mean, Jerry Jones got a bigger wall around his around his compound in Highland Park, Texas. I mean, it's not that big, and it was just, it was crazy. We had guys picking up rocks. A guy picked up a rock, and that was from where it crumbled. Right. Picked up a rock and threw it up against the wall, and a, and a, and a local was like, hey, no, 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 don't, don't, you can't you can't do that kind of deal. So it's one of those things where it's a. I guess I'll, I don't know exactly. I don't remember all the history behind it, but it's a. 
it's kind of a, a landmark or a sure. monument, for a lack of better terms, that uh, people just protect. And so it was cool, man. It was it, those countries are older than our. I mean, there's buildings in those countries that are older than our country. Yeah. And to think of that is just. We went to Paris. I remember I went to Paris with a bunch of guys at first. I was like, Paris. I ain't going to Paris with a bunch of dudes. And then I was like, ah, Paris is cool. It was really cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, we saw the Notre Dame, which just burned down, obviously. I mean, hearing the stories behind that of how old that building is and how it's older than our country, I mean, that kind of stuff is amazing. That stuff I never would in South Texas, in Baytown, Texas. I don't know that I'd have got too far away from the chemical plants had it not been for football. So uh, it it was a cool experience, man. Hey, man, always good talking with you. You bet, Really appreciate you coming on. We're going to get you on again. Love it. In the next few months. But have a happy 4th of July, and we'll see you again soon. You bet, man. Thanks for having me.